Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill, author of the book Disruptive Successor and host of the podcast Disruptive Successor Show. I wanted to take a few minutes and talk a little bit about the book, the podcast, and basically why I wrote this book. Um, because uh, I appreciate some of you have been listening uh, to the podcast episodes where I've been interviewing uh, family business advisors, experts in family business, as well as um, owners and leaders of family businesses that have maybe some kind of a disruptive successor story. So I wanted to talk a little bit about why I wrote this book and what's in it for you to maybe read if you haven't read it yet. So I, I want to start with a quote. Um, from Buckminster Fuller, which I think is a very meaningful reason for why I wrote the book. Um, Bucky Fuller was an American architect and a systems theorist and futurist, and I had the good fortune of meeting him um, in my younger years. Uh, he was the inventor, most famously, of the geodesic dome, which he thought would be a perfect living home. Uh, it didn't actually take off, but Nonetheless, he is considered to be a, a thought leader. And he said, which I quote from page 23 of my book, chapter one, if you want to teach people a new way of thinking, don't bother trying to teach them. Instead, give them a tool, the use of which will lead to new ways of thinking. So my book is basically a tool book with a, uh, with wrapped inside of a playbook. And I came up with what I call the seven P's playbook that every family business needs to scale up. And in a few minutes, I'm going to go through that. But the reason why I wrote this book is because I believe that there is a small army of what I call disruptive successors out there, and they're not organized. These are next generation leaders in family businesses. Many of them are in unsexy industries like construction or printing or business services. Um, typically, my clients are second-generation leaders, but these could be multi-generational businesses. And the problem that many of these business leaders face is the transferring of ownership or leadership, the transferring the baton from the founder or prior generation to the successor or next generation leader. And oftentimes, this is met with some frustration on either the part of the child or the parent, or it could be children or parents. And so my book is written as a guidebook to help mentor that next generation leader, not only into how to make that transition, but how to prepare themselves to be a person that the business could be transitioned to. The reason why I think this is so important is because, well, there is research to back that disruptive successors are uh, want to take over the leadership of the business, 
but many are not willing to take on the risk. So consider some of these uh, statistics that I think are um, very telling. So this is from a global survey conducted uh, of next generation family businesses. It was done in 2016 by Deloitte. And they found that 80% say their leadership style will be different from the previous generations. Well, that fits with my clients. And they say 56% will change the family company strategy. And 56% will improve corporate governance structures. 76% say innovation is a top three priority for the next generation leader. And I, my experience that says is true. 51% intend to take more risk than their predecessors, but in a more controlled way. 55% say their companies innovate at a faster pace than the competition. And 61% of previous generation family members are well of the, aware of the need for innovation. Yet, 40% are not so willing to take on the associated risks. So it's estimated that 40% of family business owners expect to retire in the coming few years. That's because we have a lot of baby boomer business owners who maybe are half planning to retire, but nonetheless, they would like to transfer to their Gen X or millennial children, but they may not be feeling that they are deserved or are ready um, to handle the reins. So as a next generation leader, you're going to need to think about what type of innovation you're going to bring to your business. Are you gonna innovate your product or service, um, how it's delivered, how it's sold? Uh, are you gonna make some process innovations? Typically, that involves looking at how it's delivered, sold, collected, uh, um, and, and technology is a great lever in this because technology has allowed us to not only uh, change the business model, look at companies like Uber and Lyft and Airbnb and Pandora and Spotify. They, they have single-handedly changed things like the ride-sharing industry, the hotel and short-term rental markets, and the music industry. So there is lots of opportunities for you to, uh, to apply things like artificial intelligence, technology, and, and then get yourself ready to grow. Because the truth is, is at barring any uh, innovations in product, process, or business model, you need to develop yourself as a leader and get yourself ready to grow. And you need to build a team of leaders. And it may be that some of the people in your organization who were hired by your family may not fit with some of the changes and the developments of this new iteration of the business. So you'll have to try and bring them along, or if not, you're gonna have to provide them with uh, a soft landing or exit in order for your founder, mother or father uh, or predecessor to be comfortable with the types of changes that you're proposing. So this is what I talk about in the first chapter of my book. And I talk also about uh, beyond just this transitions require leadership development, 
that leaders need a playbook. And a playbook is basically like an operating system. Think of it as a sports team who has a playbook and they run a certain number of plays. And uh, um, sports teams that have too many plays in their playbook, they can oftentimes lose focus. So having a simple and effective playbook is what you really need. And what do I mean by a playbook? I mean like an operating manual for how to scale the business up. So there are a lot of blind spots that we all have in running our businesses. And if you don't know what you don't know, then you can make a lot of errors. Um, I love this quote. I put it in my book. It came from Donald Rumsfeld. It was kind of comedic to me at the time, but he said he was the former U.S. Secretary of Defense under the Bush administration. And he said, there are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know, but there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. And it is the latter category that tend to be the difficult ones. And this is where the role, I think, of a coach or advisors play in your business is they can help you to see what your blind spots are and learn your blind spots um, so that you can become more effective as a leader. And what, am I, what are examples of blind spots? These might be overestimating your strategic capabilities. Um, these might be just not being coachable. Um, these might be uh, having a halo around certain people who you think can do no wrong in your company and whom you might be protecting. So these are types of blind, uh, blind spots that I'm referring to. And so I make it a rule of only coaching coachable people. And I, I tell my clients, I think they should only hire people who are coachable as well. So um, in this first coaching lesson, I'm taking a departure from my normal interview with a guest to introduce to you my book and my seven P's playbook. And the seven P's are purpose, plan, products, people, priorities, processes, and performance. With purpose, I say that if you want to 5 to 10x your business, then you need to redefine your purpose. It can't be your mother or father's purpose. Their purpose might have just been to provide support for the family, uh, to put food on the table, to put a roof over your head, to maybe help get a second vacation home, um, to provide steady employment for some of your people. Your purpose might be wholly different. It might be much bigger. It might be much uh, grander. It might be to provide challenges and opportunities for people to, to grow personally, professionally. Uh, it might be to touch a certain number of people's lives or, or uh, to be a leader in the community in which you serve, whether that's the local community or the industry that you participate in. Many of my clients are industry leaders. They take uh, volunteer positions in their industry associations, and they, uh, they try and drive improvements that affect the entire industry at large. So they see the bigger picture than just taking care of their immediate family or their immediate employees.
And so redefining that purpose and getting your employees engaged in it um, will not only attract the right types of people, new hires for your company, but it will also mean that the people who are working for you are more connected and engaged to where you're going and what you're all about. The second P is plan for your 10X. Like it's, it's been said too often that, you know, the failure to plan is the plan to fail. So imagine for a moment that you're building a 5,000 square foot home on land you own. And when you arrive on the building site, you see workers scrambling around doing work, but everyone seems to be working randomly. When you ask the general contractor to show you the blueprints, they say, well, we decided not to use blueprints. We're just winging it. We'll see what happens. Would you keep them on as your general contractor? Of course you wouldn't. And of course they wouldn't say that either. But how many business owners and leaders go to work each day without a clear plan and just winging it, kind of reactively responding to what comes in the door, the window, over the phone, opportunities? You know, the fact is you can't scale a business without a plan and a team aligned around that plan. You're not going to get buy-in investment from your employees, um, from your shareholders, your stakeholders, or from your family whose business you're about to take over. You've got to plan and you've got to be able to communicate that plan effectively uh, with all the stakeholders. Now, you might need to also redefine what your products are. And that's where I talk about the product innovation mostly. But like, how do you deliver your product in a way that's more competitive? that differentiates you from other companies selling your same product or service or similar product or service? What makes it so that you stand out? What makes it so that you're in a category of one? You're the only company that they think about when they choose to hire someone who does what you do. In a sense, that's what I did with my book. I tried to be the only person who coaches next generation leaders in family businesses particularly construction companies or business services companies, where the disruptor is looking to take the business to a new level and wants a coach who specifically understands the dynamics of family businesses and has worked with other next generation leaders in family businesses. Not only that, I come from a family business where I would have been a next generation leader had my business had my family's business lasted into the fourth generation. So this way I get to do it with you, um, although I didn't get a chance to do it in my family's business. So the next P in my seven Ps is developing your people into A players. And this is arguably, I think, the, the biggest and most important thing in any business, and that's your people. How well are you leveraging the getting the right people into your business? Do you have a leadership team that is filled with A players? Would you enthusiastically rehire most of the people in your company? If the answer is no, then you probably have some dead weight and people who don't belong or fit with the culture. Building Culture is so important in a business. I love this quote from Pat Lencioni, 
from the opening lines of the five dysfunctions of the team, where he says something to the effect of not finance, not technology, um, but people is your greatest competitive advantage. And it's true. If you have a great team, they will execute on a moderate or mediocre vision. If you have a great vision with not a good team, they won't execute as well. So that's the people element of the seven Ps. The next thing is, in addition to a plan, you need priorities. What are the most important things that need to get solved today, this quarter, you know, this year? What are the things that you're really trying to drive the business to accomplish? You need objectives, you need results, and you need to be able to manage and monitor how well you're working towards those things. It's not good enough just to work on projects for your clients. You have to look at your company as a project. You have to treat your company as a client, and you have to work on your business, not just in it. So to execute a plan, you need objectives, desired results, data and metrics, communication, and meetings to manage communication flow, to be clear on who's accountable, and to manage the time and priorities of yourself and others. And that's what I discuss in the priorities chapters of my book. The next P is dealing with your processes. You want to build a business that is systems dependent, not people dependent. That means you need processes that people can review and understand so they can run the business in, their, in your absence so that they could leave for two weeks or three weeks and someone could step into their role or their job and fulfill that because there's a documented process. It is like cooking from a cookbook. We need recipes and we need a cookbook that is an overarching uh, standard operating procedures or system operating manual for how the business is run. And then finally, the last P is performance. And these P's don't go in any particular order. You could start anywhere, although I do like to start with purpose first. And so performance is about understanding the financial results of your business. But performance could arguably be the first thing that you start with. When I was younger, in my late 20s and early 30s, and writing business plans for clients, I always started with the financial section. I knew that if I could just figure out what is the revenue targets that they want to hit, what are the profit targets, and what results do they want to show on their balance sheet, um, that if I could figure those things out first, and in, in a sense, if I could figure out what is the return on the capital that they would like to see from investing in this business, then they could argue, this is a great business opportunity, better than investing in a public company on the stock market and watching it grow. I can get a better return on investment from putting it into my own business. So you could arguably start with performance by creating a budget or a pro forma and figuring out where do you want to be 
a year from today, three months from today? What are those numbers? What are the results? And what is ultimately a return on your invested capital? So I explain all that in my performance section of my book. You could start with any P. You could go in any order. Um, I like purpose first, uh, but performance could arguably be a good first. And of course, people could be as well. So I hope this gives you a little taste of my book. This is uh, Jonathan Goldhill telling you a little bit about my book, Disruptive Successor, a guide for driving growth in your family business. And my model is useful for any business in any industry, whether you are a family business or not. So I hope this was helpful. If you have questions, uh, please reach out to me. You can download a chapter, a first chapter of this book at my website, disruptivesuccessor.com. Um, you can buy a copy of it on Amazon and you can leave us a review there so that uh, other people can find out about the book as well. Thank you very much and make it a great year of scaling up in your business. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.